Education, brothers and sisters. Have you ever thought about a dream vacation? Many of us have. See the advertisements on TV and the colorful brochures from the travel agencies. They tell us about exotic places under the sun where the palm trees are waving in a soft tropical breeze where the warm ocean water is lapping at a sandy beach. As you sit there on the beach, enjoying the surroundings, servants are standing nearby, ready to serve you mouth-watering morsels of food and refreshing drinks. Local musicians are playing soft and soothing music in the background. To a lot of people, this is heaven. Indeed, they think that this is what heaven should be like. However, in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation, we do not get that kind of picture, do we? There, heaven is described as wide as it is high and as it is long. It's a perfect square. It has walls around it made up of all kinds of precious stones, and the streets are pure gold, transparent as glass. There is no sun there, but God is its light. Revelation 21 does not say much about the inhabitants in there and what they will all be doing. Basically, what we know is that in heaven, together we will be with our brothers and sisters in the Lord who died in the Lord, and together we will be singing praises to God forever and ever. Now, this may not sound all that exciting to many of us who wants to sit around singing all the time and who wants to walk on streets paved with gold. What is so great about that? Picture of an exotic place in the sun is much more appealing, isn't it? So the question is, what exactly is heaven going to be like? Do we really have something worthwhile to look forward to? Well, that's what this Lord's Day deals with. It asks the question, what comfort do you receive from the article about the life everlasting? And it gives us answer that now in my heart already I have the beginning of eternal joy. And that joy I will possess perfectly in the life hereafter. Is that really true? Do I really now already feel the beginning of eternal joy? And do I want to be in such a place as described in Revelation 21? If that is what heaven is going to be like, does then the right desire for such a place as described in Revelation reside in my heart? Well, brothers and sisters, this catechism also says something else. It says that we shall possess after this life such perfect blessedness, which no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. In other words, it's so great and wonderful 
that we cannot even begin to imagine it. What the Bible gives us is only a glimpse. And yet if you really want to understand what it's going to be like in the life hereafter, then you must allow God to speak to you from his word, from the scriptures. And so that's what I want to speak to you about this afternoon. I will preach to you about the enjoyment of eternal bliss. Catechism says that I feel in my heart now already the beginning of eternal joy. Feelings. Often they are misleading, aren't they? If we only go by our feelings, then we would be like a rudderless boat in the midst of a stormy sea. Like the boat, we would be tossed to and fro and likely perish. If, for example, we went by our feelings first thing in the morning, then we would not want to get out of bed right away. Then we would want to stay there, and then no work would get done, and we'd starve to death. If we went by our feelings, then we would also say whatever came to our minds and do whatever we feel like. In other words, if you only go by your feelings, then you have no restraints. And so we may not begin with our feelings. Does that mean then that feelings are not important? Oh, yes. They are. That's why it's also mentioned here in the catechism, in the scriptures. They're very important. And so eternal joy also has something to do with our feelings. But the point is that that is not where you may start. You do not let your feelings determine your actions. Listen to what it says in John 17, verse 3. The Lord Jesus says there, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, that's where you begin. You begin with what you know about the Lord Jesus and what you believe about him according to the scriptures. And once you realize what Christ is all about, and what he has done for you, then your feelings will also be in sync with your faith. When you have faith, then you have a much greater vision. The world only believes what it sees, and what it feels, and what it hears, and what it senses. The world does not go beyond that. And that is why unbelievers have such a limited vision. And that is why they are so anxious all the time. Their feelings are based on the here and now. Feelings, however, must be based on what God says in his word. And if you truly believe what God tells you, then you will also feel that in your heart and in your mind. And then you will have great joy because of that knowledge. You will want to sing about it. You will want to tell everybody about it. You will want to bring others to the knowledge of that kind of joy that you and I may have as believers. Then you won't be able to be silent. So what does God's Word tell us? God 
His word tells us about the great light that shines in the world. In the beginning, when God created everything, then there was first darkness. God saw that the darkness was not good. The darkness was not desirable to him. There is no life in darkness. And in the dark, nothing is visible. And so God created the light. And then on the fourth day, the Lord God created the sun. He also created the moon and the stars. But they only reflect the light of the sun. The sun itself, however, is nothing more than only a glimpse of the heavenly light, of God's presence. When the sun shines, then we only see a small glimpse of the glory of God. And that's the light that we have here on earth, a gift from God. And so we may desire to go to an exotic location in the sun, especially nowadays when we are restricted more geographically. Some of you may be dreaming about that for this winter. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that as such. But don't think that that is heaven. That's only a very small taste of heaven. Heaven is much more wonderful, much greater. The things we will be able to enjoy here do not compare to what we will have in the life hereafter. For example, in the true heaven, in the heavenly Jerusalem, there God himself will be the light. So it says, Revelation 21, verse 11, we read there that the city shone with the glory of God and that its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Describes it in words which we can understand with our own experiences now. But it's so much greater than what we experience here on earth. Brothers and sisters, that light is something so great and so wonderful. There is nothing like it. There is no glory like it, for there is no light like God. And because that light is so great and so magnificent, you and I, we will never grow tired of it. For there will always be great and wonderful things to experience in that great and glorious light. Nothing will be hidden from us. Do you think what we see here on earth is beautiful? Well, yeah. I agree, it is. Think of the beautiful sceneries and the variety of landscapes here in Alberta. And I drove down here this morning. We could see the fields and we could see the trees and we could see lakes. It, it, it was beautiful, it's beautiful. Think about the magnificent mountains to the west, the Rocky Mountains, and think about the beauty of the trees, plants, the animals. It's all gorgeous, isn't it? Well, in God's full light, which we will experience in the life hereafter, our eyes will have a much greater feast. And we will never grow tired of that glorious view. 
we will see things that we could not have imagined had we lived a thousand years and seen every part of this creation. As the Catechism says, it's something that the heart of man cannot conceive of, a blessedness in which to praise God forever. It won't be boring to be singing your praises to God. It will flow from your heart. What does it mean, praise God forever? Well, this brings us back to paradise, to the way God has created us. The Heidelberg Catechism dealt with that already at the very beginning in Lord's Day 3, where it spoke about the creation of man in the image of God. God created him, it says there, good and in his image, that is, in true righteousness and holiness, so that he may rightly know God, his creator, heartily love him, and live with him in eternal blessedness to praise and glorify him. Brothers and sisters, that's what it's all about. It's about living with him in eternal blessedness. Living with someone means that you have an intimate relationship with him or her. Living with God means the same thing. It means that God, who is the creator of all, will walk among us and speak to us directly. Can you imagine God speaking to us? How wonderful that will be. That's what it was like already in paradise. It was a perfect relationship. Except that in paradise, the possibility to sin loomed from the very beginning. And then man sinned. And when he did, that perfect relationship with God became broken. Because of sin, the bond with God was broken. Man became afraid of him. He became alienated from him. He became alienated from his fellow man, too, and from all of God's creation. And he now became the object of destruction. All of creation did. That's why our life here on earth is so full of pain and sorrow. But now we're talking about a perfect relationship. And in a perfect relationship with God, there is no pain or sorrow. And that's what you and I are looking forward to. As it says in Revelation 21, in heaven there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Some people wonder about the kinds of relationships they will have with others in heaven. They wonder whether or not they will be able to recognize their husband or their children or the friends that they had here on earth. Understandable. For why do you wonder about these things? Well, think about it. You wonder about those things, no doubt, because... You love your husband, you love your wife, you love your children, and you love your friends. You like to be around them. You know them so well. You're comfortable with them. They're the ones who give you purpose to your life. And you want to be able to enjoy them in heaven, too. But what will it be like in heaven? Right now, here on earth, we make distinctions between people, don't we? Some people we like, others not so much. 
And that's quite understandable too. Some people treat us much better than others. And so we click with some and not with others. We also do not feel comfortable with strangers, do we? Also for good reason. We don't have a history with them. We don't know whether or not they will harm us or whether they will be genuinely interested in us or whether they will use us for, our, for their selfish purposes. We do not know either in which way they will react in certain circumstances. And so we keep them at arm's length and surround us with people with whom we are comfortable. Now, what do you think it will be like in heaven? Do you think there will be people in heaven with whom you are uncomfortable? No. In heaven it won't matter with whom you have a relationship. For in heaven there is no one who will harm you. In heaven there is no one who will abuse you or ignore you or not care about you. They will all be the same to you, for they all treat you in the same wonderful way. You will be totally comfortable with each and every one in heaven. It's the kind of comfort you won't find here on earth. For in heaven our knowledge will be so perfect that nothing will be hidden from us. We will be open books to each other. And so, even if it were possible, nobody would be able to fool you. For that reason, you will not be longing for loved ones either. For if that were the case, then there would be pain and sorrow in heaven. For now you are talking to God, and you know God, and you know what a just judge he is. It will be a time of perfect blessedness. You will not be pining there for your friends and relatives. Brothers and sisters, that is the great hope that we have today. We are looking forward to something absolutely wonderful. That's what God tells us in his word. You just heard it. You just read it in Revelation 21. Now, let me ask you, does that not affect your feelings? Does mine. Now that you have heard these things, your feelings are not dictated by the flesh, but they are dictated by God's Word. And that is because God's Word has just been explained to you. And God's wonderful promises have been held out to you. And once you realize those promises, once you have that great vision that God gives you in his word, then you also realize how blessed you are. Doesn't that give you feelings of joy? Doesn't that comfort you? But now you may ask, well, how does that exactly help us today? These things are still in the future. Right now, we're still living here on this earth. Well, now already you have the beginning of eternal joy. Now you already have a foretaste of what it will be like in heaven. Think about it. 
Why did the Lord Jesus come? He came in order to break down the dividing walls, the dividing walls between God and his people, and the dividing walls between people themselves. And for that reason, we may now also enjoy each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. We have the foretaste of that eternal joy here already in this church, in this building. And we also know that we are united with those who are listening to us in their homes. We have that connection. It would be nice that we could be able to worship together, all of us, again, in this building. But this is temporary. It will come again. And we still know the bond that we have with one another. That's a wonderful bond. And we know that the Lord Jesus has forgiven us all our sins so that we can also forgive each other our sins. That's why we as church can live in harmony with one another. Oh, yes, there are always difficulties, but we work them out in the Lord, in the forgiveness of our sins. The Lord God, the Lord Jesus has won the victory over Satan. And that's why we have this article of faith. For do you know why we have this precise reading here in this Lord's Day, also about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting? See, these words were written during some very specific circumstances. They were written at the time of the Reformation against the Roman Catholics who robbed believers of the joy they may have now already and of the joy that they may have in the life hereafter. Well, what did the church of that day teach? They believed that when somebody died, that he has not been sufficiently cleansed from his sins. And for that reason, he cannot appear before God immediately either when he dies. According to them, on Golgotha, Jesus did not pay for all of our sins, but only for the original sin of Adam. Your actual sins were not included for this, in this. You needed the sacraments for that, especially the Mass, Lord's Supper. When you participate in the Mass, then you receive God's grace. And that grace... It's also extended to those who already died and whose souls were still languishing somewhere so that they could be totally purified. And this teaching further developed into the teaching of the purgatory. Purgatory is seen as a place for the purification of your soul. There God creates in you a great desire to be forgiven your sins and to be in his presence. But... So they say, that could take a long time. During your time in purgatory, you would long for the presence of God, and you would also remember the many sins that you committed while on earth. You would deeply grieve over your sins and think about all the good works that you should have done and could have done. The prayers of the saints and good works of others, they can speed up your time in purgatory. That's what they taught. Is that what the Bible teaches? Well, brothers and sisters, this article about eternal life comes after the forgiveness of sins. We confess that we believe in the forgiveness of sins. And that does not happen during a process after death. 
No, that is given to us now. We confess in Lord's Day 16, question and answer 42, that he puts an end to, that death puts an end to sin and is an entrance into eternal life. Now here in this Lord's Day, we confess that immediately after this life shall my soul be taken up to heaven and be reunited with my body. And the catechism in its footnote refers to Luke 23, verse 43, where we read about the magnificent answer the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus gives to the murderer on the cross. And that murderer asked him to remember him when he comes into the kingdom of God. A murderer. This was a man who had a lot on his conscience. He had blood on his hands. He was a great sinner. And what does our Savior then say to him? He says, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Jesus does not speak here about some time of purification. No, this is what's going to happen to him that very day. As soon as you die, then the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be standing there with open arms to take us in. So it was a horrible thing that the church tampered and still does, some churches, with his wonderful doctrine about our salvation. The truth is that through the Lord Jesus Christ, the gates of heaven stand open to all those who believe. No one goes to purgatory. There is no such thing. The Bible doesn't mention it. The Roman Catholics base this belief on some obscure passage in an, in an apocryphal book. This Lord's Day has some more good news for us. We are also told that at the end of this age, our bodies will be reunited with our souls. Some people wonder about what kind of bodies we will have on the new heaven and the new earth. Will we be of the same age as we die? Well, brothers and sisters, there's no age in heaven. There's no evidence of age in heaven either. Listen to what the Catechism says. It says that we will have glorified body, that our bodies will be like that of the Lord Jesus. They will be spiritual bodies. They will be perfect bodies. We have a description of the glorified body of the Lord Jesus Christ in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. It describes how he is dressed and what his hair was like and his eyes and his feet. It also describes his voice. It was like the sound of rushing waters. Verse 16 describes his face as being like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Well, that's also what our bodies are going to be like. It is a body without wrinkles or gray hair. A body without scars. That's what the Bible teaches. Catechism doesn't grab this out of thin air. No, it bases itself on the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us that our bodies will be spiritual bodies like that of the Lord Jesus. Now then, let me ask you, 
How do you feel? How do you feel now that you know all this? Does that fill you with joy? And does that not make you want to live out of thankfulness for that great God who gives you those great riches to enjoy? As the Catechism says, I now already feel in my heart the beginning of eternal joy. Live out of that joy, brothers and sisters. Live out of that joy also in this coming week. Amen.